Black hey there, podcast. it's Stephen, host of the Black Doctors Podcast. This week, you're going to hear from Dr. Nate Jones, co-host, pediatric emergency medicine physician, and Dr. Bianca Bush, who is a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I have been super busy with traveling and conferences and critical care boards, so they have taken over and covered down for this episode. I really enjoyed editing this fantastic conversation about anxiety. As a reminder, this is not medical advice. We are only having a conversation. Nate, take it away. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Black Doctors Podcast, the show where representation matters. I'm Nate Jones. I'm filling in as host um, while Stephen is away studying for boards. So let's all pray for him. Um, Hopefully next Mm -hmm. time we see him, he'll be all done and happy. But I'm not completely alone today. I'm joined here with a dear friend, an amazing psychiatrist, Dr. Bianca Bush. She's here to help guide our conversation where we talk about physician anxiety and stress and how we deal with and manage that. So she's otherwise known as the college psychiatrist. She's the founder and CEO of the company of the same name. Um, she and I both did residency together at the University of Chicago. and She's in fellowship in child um, adolescent psychiatry at Harvard's Boston Children's Hospital. Currently in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area um, and sees patients all over. I uh, can't name all the states that she sees patients in, but you can check her <laughs> website to see. And she was featured way, way back in season one, and we're happy to have her back um, here. So let's welcome Dr. Bush. Hello, Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be back. Yes, yes. thanks for having me. It's so good to see you. It's been so long. <laughs> I haven't seen you since like uh, last year, I think, for Stephen and Christina's so. uh, well, reception. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, welcome. So hopefully um, you're not anxious or no anxiety for this, this show. So we should be okay. No. <laughs> be good. So I wanted to start off with just sort of getting like some background, like an understanding of like anxiety and how we understand mm-hmm. anxiety. Like what, how do you sort of approach mm-hmm. patients and just in general mm-hmm. when they sort of like try to understand what anxiety is? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, anxiety is a normal response, right? It's getting your body ready for whatever is coming up ahead, right? Mm-hmm. So if you see a tiger, a snake, in my parts, it's a snake, uh-huh. you know, you your body becomes alert, aware. You're, you're looking around. Your body is ready to make a move, to run. And so that is anxiety. And it's normal, right? It would be abnormal if you see that snake, if you see that alligator, wherever you are, and you're just chill. You're not worried mm-hmm. at all. That is unless you really like snakes or alligators. I don't. <laughs> not me. Not me. Snakes, spiders, yes. all the above. Get away. All, all the living creatures. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> so it's really a normal thing. And it, mm-hmm. it's just helping your body get ready. And so that's where I really like to start. Because um, not all anxiety is bad anxiety. It's okay. giving you a warning. It's helping your body get ready for what's a danger that's up ahead. Mm-hmm. Or for a test, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of sharpening your mind. Now... A time where it is not helpful, where it is abnormal, AB normal, as we say, is when it starts to get in the way and you have so much anxiety that you can't go on and function in your daily life. And so we'll talk in a little bit about what that looks like exactly, mm-hmm. but about um, in general, the Kaiser Family Foundation has some statistics from 2023 that about 40% of the population endorses some symptoms of anxiety or depression. That's like okay. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's almost half. But only about 3% of the population, according to another source, is diagnosed with generalized anxiety okay. and 19% with any anxiety disorder at all. Mm-hmm. And okay. so, you know, the anxiety disorders include generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, okay. specific phobias, 
So that would be our spiders, uh, yeah, snakes. Yeah, yeah. Ever yes. since I saw that movie as a kid, it has totally disrupted my ability to see spiders. <laughs> so I see anything with eight legs, I'm I'm out of here. So yeah. <laughs> Who let you watch that as a child? Babysitter. My babysitter let me watch it. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible. No. So I'm horrified of spiders now. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, so, yes, those phobias, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, mm-hmm. social anxiety disorder. Those are mm-hmm. a lot of, those are like the most common anxiety disorders. Yeah. And help me understand, because I'm trying to remember my mm-hmm. like eight weeks of, or six weeks of psychiatry <laughs> back in med school. Um, so the idea of like in disorder versus like just anxiety, mm-hmm. like well, how do we sort of understand those two different things? Yes, it yeah. really is if it's impairing your level of functioning. And so mm-hmm. according to the DSM, there's going to be sort of different, more specific criteria about sort of how long it's been impairing you. But, you know, just think about it. If you are, uh, so, you know, we'll take you, thank you for being so open about your um, arachnophobia, right? So is it really that like, if there's a spider in your house, you can't even be there. Mm, You know, or you can't even, yes. (laughs) Uh, You know, or if um, you have so much anxiety that you just can't even get out the door, right? Like I had, some um, students who have had so much anxiety that they can't even get to class. They okay. start walking to class and they stop outside the door because they're just like, I, I don't want to think about having to speak out loud or answer questions or be in mm-hmm. front of my classmates. Um, so it's really that it's getting in the way of your everyday things. That's what makes it a disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that people uh, is really talked a lot about now is social anxiety disorder. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there's a difference from between the disorder and sort mm-hmm. of just not really liking to be social being more of an introvert. Yep, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people who have um, social anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. you know, they might just be avoiding all outside interaction, really just mm-hmm. staying home, not wanting to go out to different restaurants. That's different from, okay, you go out to a restaurant and hang out with friends and then you need to take some time and spend yeah. some quiet time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're just looking for these disorders to disrupt your normal everyday function that would mm-hmm. be sort of appropriate for your age and station in life. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then thinking about like, particularly with like physicians, mm-hmm. I feel like we're all, at least maybe me, just high achieving anxious child that mm-hmm. became became an adult mm-hmm. yes how, how yes. does that look for physicians and particularly physicians of color like how does that look how does that kind of show yeah. up sometimes yeah so I, i'll say like just the things in general and then i'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit maybe about physicians of sure. color mm-hmm. um so a lot of things one of the big things i think about is avoidance of work and deadlines mm-hmm. right and so this is a very common thing with anxiety it's the avoidance cycle you're like uh okay i'm just going to put off, I'll do that note a little bit later because you're not sure what to put in the differential or you're not sure, you know, and so you just like avoid it. And then it's been a day and then it's mm-hmm. been two days and three and four and five. And then the clinic manager is like, you have these overdue notes in your in basket. Yeah. We need you to sign them so we can submit <laughs> right. for billing, right? Right. So, so that is how it can look up, right? Avoiding things, uh, worker deadline, procrastination, just mm-hmm. not even getting started on something. And that could have been mm-hmm. the notes too, but just not getting started on like a paper or reading articles because you're not mm-hmm. sure you're going to get it done or right. that kind of thing. Irritability. So just being mm-hmm. kind of grumpy. Mm-hmm. And so irritability can be uh, actually a number of different things, but sometimes we see that with anxiety, just negative thinking, mm-hmm. really tuning your thoughts to the most negative outcome. 
Okay. Really snowballing, right? Okay. Um, if I don't do this research project, I'm not going to have enough on my resume. Just, you know, I'm not going to get into the fellowship that I want. Or if I don't have the right, you know, just sort of really going down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. where you've gone from point A to point Z very quickly. Mm-hmm. So that can is a part of um, negative thinking or what we would call cognitive distortion. Okay. Kind of worried that others might perceive you negatively. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that can be, gosh, that can be manifest in so many ways. Right. Going to rounds. Worried mm. that people are going to say that you're dumb if you ask a right, question right. or if you mm. don't answer correctly. Poor concentration, not being able to focus, mm. um, just being disengaged with your work, uh, mm. sort of kind of showing up and you're, I mean, you get so tired of being anxious. You're just like, whatever, I'm not even going to. Yeah, you break. You just like, not shut up. Avoid that. Avoid that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's possible. Right? Right. Exactly. Like, I'm a break. I'm exactly. on vacation. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, intense even irrational fear of failure mm-hmm. so just thinking like oh my gosh i'm gonna fail this thing because i'm not good enough i'm not mm. you know smart enough i haven't done enough x y or z um i'm just listening like a lot of things yeah Racing no thoughts. yeah all those things come into play racing thoughts about Mm. work before you go to bed or even Mm. while you're at work Mm. inability to present during rounds right you can't even speak when it's your Mm. turn and this might be more for trainees right but when it's your turn to present your patient you just fumble over your words Mm. you forget the differential that you had just really unfortunate because you know, it may not show exactly what you know, right? Right. right. Um, mind going blank when you get pimped. Again, this is for trainees. Right. Gosh, this is a terrible situation. I oh. so bad. It's so bad. The amount of times my brain so is frozen and I'm just like frozen in fear, which is always like a, a troublesome. And it's so hard to recover from that too. Like it just yes, it's a cycle. <laughs> yes. Right. And I'll say um, it, it is. And I can remember like a time when I was in OR during my clerkship in medical school and the surgeon was a general surgeon pointed to a piece of abdominal tissue and asked me what was the embryonic origin. Lord, Lord. <laughs> How is it relevant? <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God. So, right. So I was definitely anxious, right? And we're gonna, mm-hmm. I'm going to just take a quick segue into like maybe how it will show up in black positions. So I had the mask yeah. on, but I rolled my eyes. I was like, right. are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Like, he, I was said, like yeah. he said, don't wear your eyes. Oh, so, uh, you know, right. um, attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we'll segue into that. Before I, okay. before I get to that, let me go back to two sure. other things. Failing exams, despite having been well-prepared, you okay. studied, 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 and you get to the exam and your mind goes blank and you freak out. Like, I don't know if I know this material well enough, mm-hmm. you know, you just sort of get thrown off your game. So that's anxiety in physicians, right. Right. board exams, shelf exams, and then not wanting to socialize um, at all. As we talked a little bit about that with social mm-hmm. anxiety disorder. I think you just described all four years of med school for me and, and part of residency. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yes. Literally, all the above, and because it's so common, yes. like you said earlier, it's yes. so pervasive. Yes. Um, yes. And all those things happen, and I do think that you know, also the medical environment that we're in doesn't really, not really built to avoid anxiety. In a lot of ways, it kind of perpetuates it. Yes, and mm. you know, I, I, I don't think it's often that someone might see you underperforming and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, this person might be anxious." Or this person might have a different learning style, or this mm-hmm. person might have different learning needs, right? Mm-hmm. You were just seen as incompetent. 
right? Mm, you might yep. even receive a professionalism violation. Mm-hmm. You might receive, you might have to repeat different aspects of your training, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, this goes hand in hand with other mental health conditions, right? And so, no, there's not a full way of acknowledging these things are, it's just not happening. Right. Because we're not the patients, right. We're supposed to be the people who are well, the people who are taking care of patients. Right. We're not supposed to be the ones that are flawed, the ones that we actually have our own issues. Right. When when a large part of it starts in your beginning of your training, when you're actually, before you even become a full, like a Mm -hmm. licensed independent provider, like you literally Mm -hmm. are ingrained Mm -hmm. with a level of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important when we talk about anxiety for, for people of color, for, Mm -hmm. um, because we bring so much, not only do we have the anxieties about our intelligence and how we're presenting, right? Like that's just kind of normal stuff, but we bring all of our life experience and how we present to the world Mm -hmm. to our work. Right. So being anxious about are people going to see you as a physician or are they going to see you as transport? Right. Mm. Um, that can leave someone feeling anxious. Right. Uh, there are just so many instances are, you know, are there going to be other sort of microaggressions that you encounter micro or macro mm-hmm. from your patients, right. from your colleagues. And so, you know, that can cause us to be hyper vigilant, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's like the snake, the snake or spider that you just mentioned earlier. Like literally, exactly. it's like really is that snake or spider that they're looking at again and again and again. Yes, so, mm. yes, exactly, exactly. Mm. And so, you know, you might be worried about how how others will perceive you, mm. and it's not necessarily it's not all in your head either, right? Mm. Which is a tricky thing because it's like, are people going to be seeing you as competent? Are people going to see you as not competent? I mean, uh, you know. So I think that it, you know, it's more than just sort of probably a genetic predisposition to an anxious temperament. We have sure. the life experiences, how we exist in the world that can add to our anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say for black physicians, the symptoms are going to be the same. And I'll highlight a few that might look a little bit different. Sure. You know, I talked about sort of attitude or irritability, right? And mm-hmm. that, that is one that, you know, we might see with each other. And if we dig a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, people are just anxious about it, right? Like me, mm-hmm. my example with the surgeon, I'm like, are you kidding me? But I'm like anxious. I don't, I can't remember what right. that, the mm-hmm. embryonic origin of that tissue is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I might be perceived to have an attitude. Um, angry. And I've seen this actually particularly in psychiatry, not just with physicians, Mm -hmm. but also with patients. Like I definitely have those consults where it's like, this person is psychotic. Right, right. No, they're Mm -hmm. just angry and trying to advocate for good care. Right. Because they're anxious. They're worried that they're not going to get good care. Exactly. And I think that we can present in similar ways if we we are being treated unjustly in mm-hmm. the workplace, mm-hmm. in our training programs. And so we mm-hmm. may be perceived as angry, but mm-hmm. it's also about that's the underlying is is uh, an anxiety potential. Right. And, right. I mean, I, oftentimes that like there are times where, you know, if you've been attacked once before, you know, you know, being asked like random questions at random times of things that you you're not gonna remember at four o'clock in the morning or you know, on eight o'clock during rounds. And just After knowing you've been that up like all night. Right. Like literally, like it, it also has no indication to your ability to do your job no. uh, at all. No. But it is a level of just like, oh, like that is the way I can protect myself in some ways. Right. Is mm-hmm. somewhere an adaptive, mm-hmm. and I guess 
in that environment, it's now adaptive in some ways, but it's how, it's how yes. you survive. It's like you have to yes. be tougher. Yeah, but in the yes. same way as that being tougher, being a person of color and being tougher also can work against you as well, too, in particular in some environments. Yes. Well. So, yeah. So, yeah. which is I a mean, tightrope. It is a tightrope. I mean, yeah. can you imagine saying, regardless of color, can you imagine saying on rounds, I'm actually anxious? I do right. know the answer. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be like revolutionary? It would be. I mean, <laughs> there was a few, like a space where people were like, I expect that from you, but like, if it, right. I think the whole team would dissolve. Like, no one would know what to do. They would have right. to call your like, program director. Uh, you're like, exactly right. They would They're call like, your program director. And right. Like, your um, dean. You'd go to like some special. Check in with Nate because. Right. Because he's anxious. Or maybe you should change the style of teaching so it doesn't feel threatening. I don't know. Maybe that. <laughs> right. Maybe exactly. That. Right. One of the things I try to do is I try to do that as an attending at least. I try. Yes. Like, maybe maybe my, my, my trainees would say differently. But um uh no. it's just, it's but it's real. It's those things where you're just like if you had a safe a purely a, a real safe space, mm-hmm. you'd be able to sort of say like, Hey, the way you're asking me that question to me feels threatening mm-hmm. to me, or I don't feel safe being able to answer that question or or mm-hmm. even like, Oh, I don't know. The safety and being able to say I don't yes. know, like the power of yes. that. Yes. Which we're expected to do, even as attendees are expected to be able to say Yes. When we don't know something, but as a yes. as a student or as a resident, you're expected to know everything, which doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but yeah, I, 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 that resonates a lot in terms of all the ways it can sort of mm-hmm. present itself, mm-hmm. and also ways in which like it can be misconstrued mm-hmm. and misrepresented and mm-hmm. misunderstood. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I think that's always a classic thing that I think so and so's got an attitude, so and so's bad about like it's like also you could be upset about anything else, uh, right? Right? It can right, be a bunch right. of things. A bunch of it things. Could be. It could be. And the right. other thing I would say is like, you know, this touches on more of the social anxiety is like, I don't know if anyone ever would say this, but they'd be like, you know, so-and-so's incognito. We don't ever see them. <laughs> you don't ever see it. them. Right, and right. that could right. be social anxiety, right? right. It could mm-hmm. just be like, you know, they're not coming to the party. They're nope. not coming to the happy hour. Mm-mm. They will not be there. And that could be social anxiety too. Right. Right. And a lot of ways, it's respecting people for that space too. In some ways, mm-hmm. I think we sort of want to pull people, like pull people out of their shell. It's sort of never a thing that I think is makes sense a lot. Like people, people create a shell because it's where they feel safe. Yeah. So they're in a space where that they feel they can get out of that shell. I think it's okay. Yeah. As well. But I agree yeah. with you. It's, it's, I, I think when I was uh, in training, for most of my training, I kind of avoided spaces that were lacking diversity. Mm. because I mm-hmm. felt those spaces to be less than safe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my decision to protect myself so I wasn't so anxious was that I would be spaces mm-hmm. that were like at the house staff diversity committee mm-hmm. or something where I mm-hmm. felt like I could be it was more of an inclusive space where I can feel to be myself mm-hmm. particularly particularly coming from other marginalized like, parts of my identity mm-hmm. and so that level of like avoiding in some ways is sort of like well if you're not part of the predominantly white space mm-hmm. and then how are you networking? Mm-hmm. How are you being able to make connections yes. and being able to sort of like to shine on evaluations? And so uh, yes. there's such a, it's such a difficult rope to walk in terms of, yes. you know, doing both. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wish there was some magic and we were talking, we'll talk about that a little bit later about like something okay. you try to figure out. So yeah. there's hope, there's hope everyone. There's yes. hope to yes, get, to get through this. Definitely hope to get absolutely. through this. Definitely hope. But I want to get back a little bit about thinking about like on the idea of um of being able to say how you feel um mm-hmm. and stigma like how it relates to stigma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you think? Do you think we as physicians? I know there's been a lot more of an awareness as 
the mental health of physicians, particularly in the setting of COVID mm-hmm. um, and the work that people have done. Do you think overall like, the trend has gotten better? Do you think we're kind of like stagnant? Do you think we're actually getting worse in terms of how we acknowledge our own like humanity in some ways? I think it depends on the state you're in. Um, I think it depends on the area of medicine you practice. That makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think in general, there's just in general for the entire population, there's mm-hmm. more awareness of these things, mm-hmm. um, of mental health conditions, anxiety, depression, other, other kinds of things. So I think mm-hmm. it overall things are getting better, but I think in medicine, we still have a ways to go. When I was in the Illinois psychiatric society as a resident, one of the members successfully had some of the really kind of intrusive questions removed from the physician application Mm. about mental health conditions, right? Because a lot of states you have to disclose them and Mm -hmm. then that can lead to, you know, you're having to check up with um, physician health services annually or that kind Mm. of thing, right? And so, you know, that really is a disincentive for people to one report what's happening for them and to get care. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. Because they might have all this sort of compliance that's associated or they're worried about how it will impact their license or how they're seen amongst their peers. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of way to go with that. I mean, if I can make a recommendation, you know, I would try to privatize that process as much as possible. You know, right. not to the extent that people are on the job doing hurtful things by any mm-hmm. means, mm-hmm. but that if people need to have an antidepressant, they can have it. Right, right, yeah. It's just an I mean, antidepressant, you, you exactly. know? Right. I mean, even when when you get jobs, when you when you go through the occupational health, they make you disclose all yes. medications that you're on. And I think... yes. There are a lot of medications they're not going to be able to figure out through your urine samples, but some of you right. have to disclose because they, they, they yes. could be a controlled substance, in yes. which case you have to yes. be able to identify the prescription yes. for it. But yes. um, I remember, um, like, I've always dealt with um, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Those two, obviously, like, mm-hmm. I think are like left and right hand for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Right. And so I always feel like when I remember as a student trying to figure out, like, do I get treatment? Do I see a therapist? Wow. If I see a therapist, are they going to? No, do I yes. disclose this? Um, yes. And luckily, I've had amazing therapists through most of yes. my life that have helped sort of walk me through those things. Yes, but yeah, I I, I feel you. It's just like the there's a lot yeah. of stigma when it comes to being a physician with any type of you know barrier or, or, or um, emotional, physical, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. 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 So I, mm-hmm. I I I feel I feel like there's a lot of like popping circumstances like we're doing better as a profession and I don't really know for sure if that's the case yeah 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 I I don't know either I mean Mm. I hope so and then again this is all anecdotal right like I'm not Mm. right at this moment affiliated with an institution or a national body who's addressing these things specifically in physician populations but I think in general things are better and and that gives me hope for the future too so Mm. I think there's a lot of advocacy that could be done sort of the state level and probably even hospital level. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I would love to see, and we'll talk about sort of what to do, but I would just love to see services be available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Readily available Mm -hmm. for physicians. And that's open and not only open, but expected that you would take these services without Mm -hmm. like a second glance Mm -hmm. of any Mm -hmm. of your higher Mm -hmm. ups to be able to say Mm -hmm. one thing or another. So a hundred percent. Like it would almost be like, good for you. Right, exactly. It's almost like good for you mm-hmm. going to the gym today. Like you did your physical yes. wellness, you actually took care of your mental yes. wellness and emotional wellness yes. as well. So I think that's always it's always like one of those mm-hmm. things that I'm just mm-hmm. like, 
ah, there's so much more we can be doing and so much we can yeah. be doing. Uh, a stigma does play a larger role in that, particularly yeah. as a trainee, but even even after yeah. training, you still have that part of it. So yeah. So yeah. definitely so. Yeah. So well, I think we're gonna there's a good point to take a quick break. Um, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more about um ways to manage anxiety and where to go from there. All right. Hey, it's Steven, and I am back just to let you know that registration is now open for the 2024 annual medical education conference that's put on by the Student National Medical Association every year. This year, it's going to be taking place in the city of New Orleans, and the dates are March 27th through the 31st. The theme for this year's conference is From Pressure to Purpose, Illuminating the Path to Excellence, and this is going to embody the spirit of the SNMA. This is also the 60th anniversary, so you know we got to show out. You know we got to do it big. Registration is open. That means early registration is open. You can save some money if you register early, which is before November 14th. It goes up to regular price after November 15th. So visit snma.org and sign up today. You don't want to miss this conference if you are a pre-medical student, medical student. Uh, if you're a resident, you know, go represent your program. Um, always so many gems to take away. So now we'll jump back into our episode with Dr. Nate Jones, Dr. Bianca Bush. As another reminder, this is still not medical advice. You're just, we're just listening in on conversation. Thanks for joining. And we're back. Um, so just so you guys know, we're just having a great conversation about um, anxiety, anxiety as a physician, and anxiety particularly as a Black physician. So um, we, the first part, we just talked a little bit about some background information. And now let's get to, like, actually, how do we actually manage some of the stress mm-hmm. and how do we manage the anxiety here? So, Bianca, what for you, like, what are the what are your, like, go-tos when someone comes to you, particularly mm-hmm. as a physician, and sort of like, what do mm-hmm. I do? Like, I'm exhibiting mm-hmm. the things you talked about before where I'm avoiding mm-hmm. deadlines. I don't want to go mm-hmm. to rounds. I don't want to do these things. Like, what do you tell people to do? Maybe like the immediate stuff to do or long-term or what mm-hmm. were your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, I always like to start by sort of assessing what all else is going on in their lives, right? So basic stuff, sleep, nutrition, hard sometimes as a physician to have, you know, good habits in those areas. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a place where I like to start assessing. Obviously, I like to also start think about like, is there anything else physical going on with your body? Um, mm. Any like other health conditions that could be contributing right. to your anxiety, thyroid dysfunction, all that kind of stuff. So mm. I really start thinking about that. And then I start to think about, okay, are there things that we can do to change your environment to help you cope with this? Now, mm. you know, I'm thinking about, all right, what are you doing on your off time? Are there ways that can really help things that you can do to help you decompress to make you more ready to go to work? Mm-hmm. And let me say this, working with a wide range of physicians and people up there along various paths and their training, the therapy might look different, right? Right, right. If it's like you're a trainee and you got to get through, we're thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Do you need to move on to a different program? We're Ooh, thinking okay. about yep. that. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. further in your career, are there things that you can work in your hospital system? Are there different roles you can take or give away? Or do you need to move on to something different? So that's a part of sort of the holistic assessment is really seeing like, okay, what is stressing you out? Is it your work? Is it other stuff happening at home? And then 
Um, from there, finding intervenable things again, like are, is there stuff that you can do? When was the last time you engaged in your passions and hobbies? Are you mm. painting the way that you used to? Are mm. you knitting or crocheting? Are you riding your bike, right? Mm. And sort of encouraging people to return to those those things that give them joy and pleasure. Then also thinking, then from there, I often think about, you know, are there any kinds of natural supplements or things that we can do that are like non-prescribed medicines or okay. more mm-hmm. integrative approaches? Like, right. do you need to have a cup of chamomile tea at night before bed okay. while you're yep. reading your book? Love the chamomile. Um, yep. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes. Love um, it. Shout out special seasonings, honey, vanilla, Ooh. chamomile. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking on that. Okay. Oh, yeah. It will be so in good. the notes tab. We'll put that <laughs> resources. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> you know, sometimes some things I even do for myself uh, is have aromatherapy, right? I have my Ooh. diffuser going or mm-hmm. candles. So really just thinking about all of the possible things that we can do that are non-prescribed medicines. And then from okay. there, thinking about um, therapy. So, okay. You know, therapy, love, 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 biased because I provide it. Also consume it. Oh, yeah. yeah. As here, yes. I've been therapized forever. Like, <laughs> yes. I love it every minute of it. Yep. It's it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I think every I think everyone should have therapy. Right. Because it's just helpful. But thinking about the different kinds of therapy, there is certainly a lot of very good evidence for the use of cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Okay. For the treatment of anxiety disorders, probably some of the strongest evidence. And so doing that, that really involves learning about your anxiety mm-hmm. and then learning skills to help manage the anxiety and other stressors mm-hmm. in your life. So you're going to come away with homework and tips and tricks and will include things like breathing and meditation and, and mm-hmm. trying to sort of change some of your thinking patterns. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, a good type of therapy. There are other kinds of therapy, talk therapy, which also help a lot. Um, And that is a kind of therapy I deliver also engage in, in addition to the CBT. And um, so, yes. Like I was like, I support therapy. I feel like I should literally... There's gonna be like on a merch shirt. Like I, everyone should go to therapy. We, I support it 310, 110%. Like I I don't, I don't think I would have gotten through majority of my training without some really amazing therapists that really sat down and was like, okay, so you feel this. And a lot of what cognitive behavior therapy for me at least was Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's change the way you think. So the way you behave is very different. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Like you're not everything, not everything is a snake or a spider, right? Like maybe it is just that. Maybe it's uncoupling the idea of like, okay, well maybe you just had a bad day on round and it was just a bad day. Yes. Um, and that it doesn't define you. And I was always like, I was like, wow, yes. I didn't know this. I, I thought I was told yes. if I couldn't present, you know, 30 patients within 10 minutes that I literally was the worst medical student that ever, ever was. That is so triggering. <laughs> Oh my god! Did I remember to check all the labs? Oh my right. god! <laughs> they write all the vitals down. I'm like, we have electric. Like everyone should be seeing all these electronic medical records. It's so crazy. But this is speech is such a right? It's such a universal experience, right? Yes. <laughs> and, I, and, and for you, those of you who are going through the medical medical stu- uh, school process or in residency or those even those who are pre medical, like it is a very common practice, I think, for have a level of anxiety, and it's totally okay. Yes. Yes. 
it's okay to have it. It's not okay. It's not okay that it's happening to you. That is yes. a different, a different, uh, different process. But, but yeah, it's a common thing. I, I think that yes. like the amount of times that I've just, I remember like the fear of being like coming in from an overnight or um to day shift and like being signed out patients. But okay, I have to like remember this is the plan and this is the consultant and 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 it's such a performative way of practicing medicine that mm-hmm. is that I know I I tend to feel that it's more detrimental than it is helpful in a lot of ways so, but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. again well that's another 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 episode mm-hmm. <laughs> my soapbox of why medical education needs to be changed drastically uh-huh, the way we do things uh-huh, uh-huh. right 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 but no yeah back, I mean like, uh, like I said like, I think therapy is super yeah. super helpful in terms of just like being either like a physician like either a medical student or a resident or yes. like how how do you suggest people go about finding a therapist or finding yeah. like, the type of resources? Or yeah, that's a great that? question. Yeah. So, you know, first things first, you've got to find someone who's licensed where you are and okay. who accepts your insurance okay. um, if you're going to use your insurance. There are a couple of great search engines. Uh, Therapy for Black Girls is fantastic where we're mm-hmm. talking about black um, physicians. And I think there's Therapy for Black Men as well that okay. has a, a good database. Um, and you can search again by location, insurance type. My go-to is also zincare.co. Um, mm-hmm. I love that because a lot of folks have their availability up to date. Um, okay. And then there's also Psychology Today, which just has a, a mm-hmm. large, a yep. large repository of therapists. So you're going to be looking for someone who has expertise with anxiety. And it will be a bonus if they're used to working with physicians or mm-hmm. um, people in the healthcare field because they're going to have more of a sensitivity to how how do you dispose this to your colleagues and that kind of thing and, and sort of documentation and all of those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. if you can find finding someone who's familiar working with physicians, that, that's great. It's okay. also... You can talk to your friends if you feel comfortable. It's like, who do you see? Do you have any recommendations? Right. Um, that can be helpful. One other organization I want to shout out is Tend Health. And I actually worked for them okay. right after I finished fellowship. And they really focus on caring for healthcare providers in a very confidential and private way. So nice. they're often have contracts with institutions. For example, UMass, they have a contract with UMass. And so I saw a lot of UMass um, residents. and mm. But they're not associated with UMass. So you're not going into the department. You're not seeing people who you might consult later on. Right. It's like a completely separate entity. And so they're now in a lot of different states across the country. So that's mm. another really great source. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's also interesting because that is true that when we, I don't, I think we don't remember, we don't think about it at the time, but when we seek to get healthcare, that oftentimes we may only really get it through our institution because it's usually the cheapest because usually mm-hmm. your insurance is coming from your institution. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. remember at East Chicago having to go to the psychiatry department. Yes. Um, and, I yes. Being, and I was a resident and I, was, I remember yes. being like, I consulted other like psychiatry yes. residents. Like I work with these people and I'm, yes. and I remember like sitting down in that office and getting that like little clipboard and like not filling out and just walking out. And I remember wow. just being like, I just could not. I was just so wow. afraid of disclosing that, like, I need yes. help and you are going to know my personal life. Yes. I did go back eventually. It was helpful eventually. But it was, just, it was, but it's like, it's, yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a real thing. That, and, and I love that uh, organization and the ability to have a separate mm-hmm. body that sort of says, hey, listen, mm-hmm. like, we're here to help mm-hmm. you and we're not connected to you. It's like, not it's like connected. going to the emergency room. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's so great because it's like, I don't know, in, in terms of, reporting is just, I don't know, when I was practicing and I was 
prescribing medicines for folks and doing therapy. I just, I felt like so disconnected from the institution that I felt like I could mm. just be so much more helpful to the physicians I was seeing because mm. no one was going to be able to read my notes Good. Yep. within mm. the institution, even though those are often marked as sensitive or something, you know, so right, right. no one should be in your business, but it just felt like an extra, extra level of privacy and protection. Mm-hmm. And now does therapy always need to be like lifelong? Is it because there'd be no, different like, ranges? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. So the CBT that I was talking about, cognitive behavioral therapy is really more of a circumscribed kind of therapy. Usually anywhere from eight to 12 weeks are sort of okay. the protocol. I have like all my books here <laughs> just yeah. now. But so that is often a more of a shorter course. Now, if you're doing talk therapy or psychodynamic therapy or psychoanalytic therapy, which is close to my heart, this is mm-hmm. my first therapy language. I love it. That kind of therapy can go on for years. I've been okay. seeing my same therapist for almost three years now, I think. And mm-hmm. she's more of a talk therapy, um, psychodynamic um, analytic kind of therapist. So mm. it doesn't, and, and you can pop in and pop back out, right? Like I have right. patients who I haven't seen for two or three years and they're like, Hey, can I come see you? Cause X, Y, or Z is happening in my life. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Cause life is not mm-hmm. linear. Like it goes up and down. Mm-hmm. It goes every, all, mm-hmm. all around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. well, very well. And what about yeah. those who are less like, you know, I'm not doing therapy. I don't want it. Just give me the pills. <laughs> Figure it out. Like, how, how does that work with how do you sort of navigate yeah. that process? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the gold standard is to try a good course of psychotherapy before going to medications. Okay. But there are times where your symptoms are, you know, you need to get some help like right now. Um, mm-hmm. And so there will be some times where it's indicated to start medication before you do therapy. And you're right. Some people don't want to do therapy. They don't want right. to talk about it. Then we'll right. deal with it. Just give me the pill and fix it. Exactly. You know, right, we, right. We would, I would t- try to work with them to, to have, you know, gain some insight, but you also have to meet people where, where they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would be working with a provider who is willing to do that. And I think, you know, a great place if that is really what you're most interested in is a primary care doctor, honestly, okay. because they're okay. going to be able to say, they're going to do your, your PHQ-9, your GAD-7. Right. They're going to be like, okay, looks mm-hmm. like you're anxious or depressed. Mm-hmm. Let's try some Zoloft. Let's try some Lexapro. And right. that's a fantastic place to start. Shout out to my primary care colleagues who do a mm-hmm. lot of mental health care, the bulk of it for our right. country. So right. you don't need to see a psychiatrist to get started on a medication. Right, right. And I think that's a good, that's a good point because I think – the ability to get into psychiatry, to be able to get, see a therapist. Sometimes the wait lists are long, yes. long, long. Um, yes. And yes. sometimes it may be helpful to be able to get in to figure mm-hmm. that out as well. So that's super useful. Mm-hmm. 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 Cool. And I feel like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways too, as like, I'm thinking as like, as a physician or as an att- or as a mm-hmm. pool attending, mm-hmm. those researches are a little bit easier because oftentimes you can find yeah. a therapist or a psychiatrist. Sometimes they don't take insurance sometimes and sometimes it's a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah. But it can be a bit challenging as, as, a, as, a, yes. as a trainee. And, and especially if you need to, if it requires medication or anything. So it's around. I mean, I feel like yeah. it's always a journey to figure out what, what, is, what, to, what to, yeah. to do with it all. So those are like the yeah. things that you would do. What are some things that like you should not be doing with like dealing with anxiety? Or do you have anything? Sorry. I have, I just have one other thing. Go for it. Yeah. Um, one thing as we're sort of physicians along in training and along this timeline that was really helpful. And I think is more of a psychiatry specific thing to do is to have something called a process group. Oh, and okay. we had one once a week 
where we were able to really talk about what's happening, the dynamics and the drama in our department, which was okay. intense sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it gave an opportunity for us to talk about stuff. We even talked about race. We talked about, okay. you know, we had a, a process group leader who really pushed us. Some people didn't like it. Some people did. Um, okay. I'll just have to tell you, he was analytically oriented and he was, he's Jewish. And I came in, I noticed he had a tan and I said, oh, have you been vacationing or something like just casual conversation? And he was like the, you know, he was like classic kind of weird analyst. Like you don't Mm -hmm. know what you're going to get. And he brings it up later. Like, oh, do you feel closer to me? Because my skin color is closer to yours. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Anyway. So anyway, it doesn't have to be like that, but, but at the bare minimum, it's just a place for you. And I lead these sometimes now for the fellows at UT Southwestern when they need to fill in. This is a place for you to process what's going on. And so as attendings, Mm. no matter what department we're in, I would encourage you if you feel like your, your trainees or even your colleagues are going through a lot, because we see a lot of stuff as physicians. Yes, Yes, we do. Right. It's a lot. To ask someone from psychiatry or, you know, even if it's not someone from the psychiatry department, hey, can you recommend someone that we can come in and facilitate some process groups for us over a couple of weeks or, Mm -hmm. and I mean, this is even outside of like debriefing after a, a, you know, a big event, just Mm -hmm. having some regular space can be helpful. So that's sort of um, outside of what the individual can do, but I think Mm -hmm. what institutions could do to be helpful. That's actually really helpful. I never even heard, thought or heard of um, processing groups. I think, mm-hmm. um, as you know, I, I work in the emergency department, so like we mm-hmm. tend to see kind of rough summer with a lot mm-hmm. of traumas. And there was a point where I was actually developing like my own level of like mm-hmm. acute stress or yes. PTSD or something. Where yes. um, every every shift, you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but having a space where usually we just vent amongst each other to sort of mm-hmm. say like, how are you dealing with it? And, and mm-hmm. luckily I have an amazing therapist who also helps like me get through mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having an institution create space for mm-hmm. all individuals who provide care, mm-hmm. you know, physician or otherwise, mm-hmm. is super mm-hmm. great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to steal that. I may bring that to my own institution. Yes, like, hey, the, please do. Why do we think about this? Why do we think about doing this? That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So there's so there's a lot of there's a lot of ways we can sort of handle stress and, and anxiety. Yes. A lot of ways. I mean, I mean, from the the non pharmacologic, um, and then as well as some of the pharmacologic measures that we mm-hmm. have, and, and mm-hmm. also relying that on groups. Like it's, it takes a village mm-hmm. to get through anything. So mm-hmm. a lot of ways. What are the things that we should be like avoiding, like mm-hmm. when times of high anxiety or times of stress, or or even if we yeah. have a generalized anxiety disorder? Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, the first thing that I thought of was like drinking or doing other drugs excessively. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that can be a common way of coping for Mm -hmm. us, right? We have a really hard day shifts, just go get wasted. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And that's not everyone, but that is certainly some people. And so, you know, I would say that that is not the best way to deal with it. I mean, it's, we know we're physicians. We know what right. happens to the body. And yet we have to like, try to figure out a way to cope, right? Exactly. How do you heal thyself without, and also damage thyself by taking yes. care of others? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, those are things to avoid. Um, you know, they're the whole issue of like marijuana edibles right. is really interesting to think about. People are using them a lot more to cope more casually. I okay. feel like since they're legal mm-hmm. in a lot of different states, now that could cause end up causing problems for you potentially for your workplace. Mm-hmm. If it's mm-hmm. a drug-free workplace and then, you know, 
God forbid you get a hold of something that's terrible and like have a psychosis thing. Exactly. Yes. Now, yes. psychiatry, so I see yes. that, right? So that's yes. my bias. Yes. Well, definitely. I've that's definitely my seen bias. those. Unfortunately, those teenagers in the, in the, in the emergency yes. department who smoked the wrong thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I caution against sort of becoming over-reliant on, on substances mm-hmm. to manage. Um, I think other ways that are unhealthy to manage, just um, not talking about it at all. Yeah. You know, I think another thing that can be tough is that you shouldn't do is just quit. Right. Um, and I say that cautiously because like sometimes maybe it is a good idea for you to quit whatever it is right. the thing that you're right. doing. Maybe that is the right thing. Right. But I think it would be good to talk to someone about what is going on with you to see if mm-hmm. there are any other solutions because you might mm-hmm. quit and then realize like, oh, the same feeling that I had at that last place, I still have it. So like maybe it wasn't the place, you yeah. know? Right. Maybe I mean, was- there's a lot of, of ways of just like learning the skills through is like courage through fire type of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, you know, maybe I didn't burn the house down with a spider and the spider mm-hmm. was only on the, on the counter this time. And, um, and I got through it being on the counter and I, and then, yes. you know, the next time I see it, I'm not as, as freaking out. Um, yes. And then that's true. Cause even as you get through training, I, I mean, as I, at least for me, when I got through residency and into fellowship, I, I, my anxiety level when it came to dealing with other physicians and other like expectations Mm-hmm. went down because I, mm-hmm. I a because of you know mm-hmm. obviously going higher up in rank but also mm-hmm. like but also to get exposed to more we're just like mm-hmm. no like I've proven myself time and time again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there are there are situations where I feel great and there are situations mm-hmm. where I feel not so great um mm-hmm. but trying to learn mm-hmm. that it's not me always it also can yes. just be the external environment in which I'm in yes. so that's a really oh, good absolutely. tip absolutely yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so um yeah I'm trying to think of other things not other maladaptive you know, mm-hmm. there's, there are so many other maladaptive ways of co- right. coping, restrictive eating, uh, mm-hmm. excessive exercise or over-exercising, mm-hmm. which, you know, can end up not being so great. I'm just trying to think of other things that I see. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, ex- being explosive towards your colleagues, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Which was that, that irritability, you know, right. I say that's a thing not to do, recognizing that. It's, it could also be a symptom of your anxiety and you just don't know how to manage. But I would say like, if that's happening, it's a good time to like pause and, and, Call somebody. and talk to someone about what's happening. Right. So those are some of the biggest things that come to mind. Benzo- yeah. I would say benzodiazepines. I, that's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a legal substance, but I personally don't like to prescribe them because of their right. addictive potential. As we all know, right. I mean, of course they feel super great. But um, that's something I would say not to do to try to find more of a permanent solution than just a quick benzo. Right, and for those who don't know, benzos mm. are like you're the Valium, the Xanaxes, those those of those it's, classes of the world. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I remember when I was when I was I'm out sharing, sharing all my horror, exciting <laughs> stories today. <laughs> well, it's fine. It happened in the past. It's great. Yeah. I survived. Everything's great yeah. now. It's wonderful. <laughs> But no, I remember um, my first psychiatrist I ever saw was in med school. Mm-hmm. I never really had anxiety issues, despite the fact that I talk so fast. I actually am not anxious <laughs> most of the time. Uh, and, and she was like, you know, we're going to put you on Prozac and Xanax, mm-hmm. Karen. Mm-hmm. And I remember I took the Prozac and I took a Xanax mm-hmm. before, like I went into like uh, the weekend of studying or something and then mm-hmm. so exhausted and then went to surgery rotation. And there was an Adele song that was playing. 
on and like the music and then the tears that came out of my eyes that I could not control because it made me so emotionally labile. Yes. <laughs> like I was just like crying. My I cried so much that like my mask was soaked and they had oh, to ask me like no. it was the most embarrassing. So guys, be very careful with your psychotropic <laughs> medication. <laughs> oh, no. So I had to go back to my psychiatrist. Like, I was like, actually, I can't be on this medication. What the heck, I was so oh, right. I was like, literally, and it was literally just like the. It was just like I wasn't even sad. I was just like, oh, it was no. a beautiful song. I am yes. a crier on baseline, but like it happens. <laughs> but yeah, the Xanax didn't help. The Xanax and Prozac was really just messing me up. So, oh, but I learned a lot of it is like just like you said, like CBT, like uh, cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. It was like really what saved me at least like I, yeah. I i'm i luckily i'm no longer on any medications and i think wow um because i really had amazing therapists that sort of was yes. very patient and yes. took the time to sort of be like okay like that happened today yeah. and then that's one of the things i really love about what you said about staying in the environment if you can if it's if it's not mm-hmm. dangerous for you to stay um right. if you stay in with help with not by yes. yourself with help yes that there's ability to learn th- mm-hmm. through the fire that you're in. So it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. fire anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you feel so proud when you're just like, you walk back in and you're like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. It's okay. I'm still going to graduate. What's, what's going to happen? Like, right, it's, right, like, right, right, like, right. it's still amazing. Oh, it's going to be great. That's the most powerful feeling. That's the right. most powerful fa- feeling. Yes. yes. Conquering that anxiety and just mm-hmm. being like, yes, mm-hmm. I got this. Mm-hmm. And also just knowing, you know, anxiety is such a normal part. So we said earlier, mm-hmm. it's such a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, um, I, mm-hmm, I always find mm-hmm. those who are not anxious to be a little weird. Like, how are you not? Nervous? What do you, mm-hmm. you think the world is that great? Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's, it's a balance. You're right. It's totally a balance yeah. of everything. But I really loved, I really loved what you shared today. It was really helpful to sort of just, yeah. Well, thank I, you. Feel like, I feel like I should give you my insurance card and, and I might pay you a copay for <laughs> the last hour. <laughs> I really appreciate no, it. It's no, been a really no, good no. tip. Um, yeah. Before we close out, I don't want to take up too much mm-hmm. of your time. Do you have any like, final things to say or any words of wisdom or anything? I guess I would just say that like training, if this is for training trainees, it can be hard for sure, without a doubt, but it shouldn't be absolutely miserable to the point that you cannot function, whether that's related to anxiety or depression and just feeling like you can't go on. And so just really encouraging you to talk to someone, whether it's your chief, whether it's just another colleague or something like that. And it is for physicians as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my take home is just to get help if you feel like you need help. But there's tons of stuff online about anxiety and, and symptoms. And we talked about some of them today. If any of those mm-hmm. ring true, it would be worth talking to someone about to yeah. see what can help. But definitely, definitely. And we'll definitely take um, some of those notes and put it in the show notes. So those who are listening can get access to some of the resources that Dr. Bush talked about today. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We hope to have you again yes. soon. It's so much yes. fun talking thank to you, you and catching up. Thank you. You too. Awesome. And thank you all for listening to the Black Doctors Podcast. Before you go, make sure you show us some love for your favorite Black Doctors Podcast out there. Rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, just give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the topic like we discussed today, I'll drop some resources in the show notes. And you want to learn more about the fabulous Dr. Bianca Bush, please check her out. <laughs> All her work is at thecollegepsychiatrist.com. Um, stay tuned every week as we tackle issues that are relevant to you. This is the Black Doctors Podcast where representation matters. Talk to you soon. <laughs>